one of these and I'm you know I wasn't really sure like how I felt about it coming back in person because you know it's probably been I don't know 13 to 15 months now since we've at least since I've been here in church and you know after after a while you get comfortable right you kind of get into the routine of things so waking up you know late on Sundays getting to stay in bed or getting up you don't have to like get up and get dressed you just log into zoom and you know you just kind of get used to that um, I think for a lot of us we were able to maintain our relationship with God in other words this whole COVID experience I don't think put a dent in our relationship per se with God but I do think that, you know, some of us got a little bit complacent, a little bit comfortable um, with just, you know, our efforts in expressing our love towards God. And we do that in a number of different ways. Um, one of the ways we do that is, you know, participating, you know, when we come to church, um, making sure you engage in praise and worship and things like that. Um, so I do really want to encourage you guys, you know, if Kevin, myself, Patricia, Bishop, um, and Kujo can, you know, can bring ourselves here, right, to prepare, like, words for you to, to get the program started and, and to get things going um, in terms of the youth service, then everybody can also play a part in the body of Christ. Everybody can do something to help, to help the youth, right? And I want that to be a challenge to everybody. Um, figure out, you know, what it is, what can I do in my own small way to give back to the youth or to contribute or to participate now that we're in person. You know, for some of you guys, it might mean that when we come in, you're, you're committed to setting up the chairs. I know some of the guys are really good about that. Spencer and, and a lot of you guys are good about getting the audio set up. Whatever it is that you guys can do to help. Even if it's one day you go to Kevin and you say, hey, you know, I want to do liturgy. I had, you know, in my, during my quiet time, you know, the Lord spoke to me and I've got this really great word that I want to share with you. A lot of you guys don't realize that I don't really do much prep when I, when I come and I preach. A lot of it is just going through my quiet time journal and just picking up the notes that I documented from sort of that small Bible study with the Lord. And I just come and I share it with you guys. So if you guys ever have similar experiences, please you know, please don't hesitate to lean forward in terms of, you know, just being active with the church. I promise you there's a, there's a big reward in that. And it's not just that God gives you something, it's that the quality of your life becomes better. And you begin, you know, you begin to sort of open yourself in ways, find things about yourselves that you probably would have never known um, if you just kept yourself isolated and just kind of you know, somebody who just walks in and out of the church. So I do want to encourage that. And especially for you guys also that are going to college, like it doesn't just end here. When you go to college and you find really great campus ministries, make sure that you participate in that sort of thing too. Um, because even though it's church related stuff, it's definitely stuff that can go on your resume. And it's also, also character building things, okay? Um, so in case you can't tell already, that's, that's one thing that I really think is important. And one thing that I want to hammer on these next couple of months as we're here is getting people like comfortable about becoming better, right? Better people, better believers, right? Better for each other, better for the body of Christ. So that was just my little spiel before the word. Um, today, I, I do want to talk about, I want to talk about um, the book of Exodus. Um, and the Exodus really is the story of 
the Israelites who were captive and enslaved by the Egyptians, um, really how God took them through a period of hardship and trials before they finally made it to the promised land. Um, and, and the book of Exodus is really detailed about, about what that process was like. And I think this, this passage, or this book rather, is exceptionally important because a lot of times when we read that, that storyline, we're always talking about Moses, and we're talking about the purpose and the plan that God had for Moses, and, and why it's just important for us to sort of adopt that and to learn from that and to apply it to our own lives. Um, but today I want us to focus more on the Israelites because I think in a lot of different ways, um, especially in modern times, you know, we can look at ourselves just like the Israelites. And the really important thing, you know, I think that I want us to take away from today's passage is, you know, how much the Israelites really suffered and struggled before they got to the promised land, before God gave them what it was he had promised them. Um, and then to really emphasize, guys, that you know, with the challenges and the obstacles that come in life, no matter how young or old we are, um, God takes us through a process before we come out of it. And I want to talk about why that's really important. Um, so let's just, let's just take our Bibles. I hope you guys brought your Bibles. Everybody brought their Bibles? Yes? Yes? No? Who did not bring their Bibles? Let me see you by show of hands. Okay, that's not bad. All right, everybody has their Bible. Um, do you have your phone on you? Do you have your cell phone on? Do you have like a Bible app on your phone? No, does anybody have a spare Bible? Okay, can somebody lend him a Bible? Thank you, Abana. Okay, so let's open our Bibles to Exodus chapter two, verse 23. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna kind of go through the scripture pretty quickly just so I can get to the word. Um, and then we'll wrap up. Okay, so that's Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. Now, just a little bit of context before this particular verse here. We all know what happens with Moses. Um, he's an Israelite by birth, and um, it's, it's tumultuous times that he's living in, and his mother makes a decision to put him in a basket he ends up getting found by Pharaoh's daughter. Um, and as he gets older, he basically lives as he would if he was related to Pharaoh and his family. Um, and so, you know, Moses, I think, is very aware of his identity and who he is. He knows he's an Israelite. He knows that when he walks out and he sees his fellow Israelites suffering, um, but that very well could have been him. So in, in some of the prior verses here, it talks about um, Moses did murder someone. And um, when it became apparent that it was him, he fled. Um, and he really did not make efforts to try to go back to Israel until um, the king of Egypt, who was pursuing him because he murdered someone, had died. So Exodus chapter 2, verse 23 says, Years passed and the king of Egypt died. But Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
he looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. Um, and I just, you know, I highlighted that, that verse because it was really, really powerful to me um, that, that it, it makes it very clear here that when we pray, we pray certain prayers, when we cry, when we moan, and we, you know, we have those sort of, um, those really emotional prayers to God, right, based on something maybe that we're going through in our lives, like God really hears that. Um, and I think sometimes when we pray, we get into this very sort of mundane routine. Sometimes we even say the same thing. And so we think that maybe like it just doesn't have any type of effect on God, that God isn't hearing it and God isn't working. But I mean, if, if you ever need a scripture to help you realize that, that God does hear our prayers, it's this one right here. Bible says in verse 24, God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. Okay. Um, it also suggests that you know God is a God of precision and timing is really important to him. And so while the Israelites may have cried about being enslaved by the Egyptians for years, God knew at this particular moment in time he needed to act, and so God did. So we're going to jump over to Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. should be on the same page or the next page for some. And this is after Moses encounters God. God speaks to him, and it's 3, verses 7. So Moses is... You know, Moses is out in the wilderness. He sees the burning bush. God talks to him and tells him, gives him instructions on what he wants to do in terms of liberating the Israelites. And verse three, chapter 3, verse 7 says, Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have now seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. So again, just a very, I love it when I, when I look through the Old Testament and you, you kind of see in quotations like God speaking. What is, what is it that he's saying? And God sounds extremely compassionate here where he talks about being so aware, so cognizant of the suffering that his people has endured. And, and just this promise, this very specific plan of how he's going to take them out of that and what the end is going to look like, a land of their own um, where milk and honey will flow. And, and so I just, I, I want you guys to keep all this in mind because God knows this is happening. God says, okay, it's time for me to take action. And God makes it very clear to Moses that he's going to be the vessel in which the Israelites are delivered. Now, as you go on through the passage, there's a little bit of back and forth between Moses and God because Moses is like, like, how am I going to be the one to do all this? Like, like this, is, this is just not going to work. But God makes it very clear to him that he will be with Moses. Moses is not going to do it alone. 
And Moses um, has his brother Aaron, um, who walks with him through a lot of this. Um, so in, in doing this, I just want to take you guys to verse 19. Um, it's Exodus 3:19. Uh, Moses says, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go, or excuse me, this is what God says, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. So I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians, um, performing all kinds of miracles among them. Then at last he will let you go, and I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably on you. They will give you gifts when you go so you will not leave empty-handed. Every Israelite woman will ask for articles of silver and gold and fine clothing from her Egyptian neighbors and from the foreign women in their houses. You will dress your sons and daughters with the stripping the Egyptians of their wealth. So again, God just really reinforcing and making sure that Moses is very clear on his, on his support, right? God is going to be with him and God is going to make sure that when he goes to Pharaoh, when he goes to the Egyptians, there will be a mighty hand that is present to show that he's got the God of Israel backing him up. So the next chapter, um, verse 4, talks about all the, the, the signs of, uh, it says, signs of the Lord's power. Um, and so this is, this is the time in which Moses and Aaron approach the Pharaoh, and this is where it kind of all begins. Um, he tells them, look, you, you know, we've, we're backed by a mighty God, and he says that you need to let his people go. Um, and so if you guys have time, definitely go through and, and just kind of read the details of how all of that went, because it really is powerful um, for Moses to be, um, to be so bold in you know, pursuing Pharaoh um, and doing exactly what it is that God call, called him to do. Um, in verse 21, it's in chapter 4, um, another important thing um, that I highlighted here. The Bible says, And the Lord told Moses, When you arrive back in Egypt, go to Pharaoh and perform all the miracles I have empowered you to do. But I will harden his heart so he will refuse to let his people go. Um, so that's just another really important thing that I want you guys to understand and just remember as we go through the passages here. And then um, Exodus chapter 5, verse 6, if you go a little bit further down, um, the Bible says, um, that same day, Pharaoh sent his order to the Egyptian slave drivers and the Israelite foremen. Do not supply any more straw for making bricks. Make the people get it themselves, but still require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That's why they are crying out. Let us go and offer sacrifices. Let us go and offer sacrifices to our God. Load them down with more work, make them sweat. That will teach them to listen to lies. Um, and I thought that was um, very powerful and very important because this, this statement, this order from Pharaoh came after Moses and Aaron had approached Pharaoh and said, look, these are the instructions that I've been given by the Lord. You need to let the Israelites go. And Pharaoh became very upset at that. Um, and Moses made it clear that, you know, the Israelites have been crying out to their God, and this is what their God is saying. Um, so in sort of retaliation to that, the Pharaoh went out and um, put out this order and essentially put more work upon 
the Israelites, right? If, if they say that they're suffering, like we'll show them suffering, right? Same amount of quota, but this time, instead of us providing the material and the straw, they have to now go fish it out and find it for themselves. So things became very intense and things became very, very um, difficult for the Israelites. And I think it's really important that we understand this because remember in the beginning of Exodus when I was reading it and I'm telling you about, number one, God hearing their cry. Like God, God hears it, okay? And then number two, God knowing, all right, there's gonna be action that's gonna be taken, okay? And he says it's time and he calls on Moses and he gives all the instructions to Moses and Moses goes to Pharaoh. And then you see here that now things are getting more and more intense. And as you continue to read the scriptures, the subsequent chapters, um, you'll see that there are like more things, more like very complicated things that end up happening. Because of Pharaoh's hardened heart and disobedience, essentially there's a plague that comes, um, there's, um, there's a spirit that comes and kills all the firstborn sons, including Pharaoh's um, own son. Um, there's a plague of flies, there's a plague of livestock, locusts, frogs, um, you name it. There's just a lot of things that happen, and I'm sure you guys are aware, but even through all of this, Pharaoh maintains his hardened heart and he maintains his disobedience, his resilience in saying no to God, saying no to Moses. He will not let um, the Israelites go. Um, and, you know, the, the Israelites are also becoming increasingly frustrated because when they do get to a point where Pharaoh is like, whatever, fine, just go, they go and, and the Israelites are still faced with trouble. They're still faced with obstacles. And Moses gets the brunt of it because he's kind of like the middleman between God and the Israelites. And, you know, Moses is then going to God like, like what the heck? Like, this is becoming really frustrating for everybody who's involved. Um, but at the end of the day, you can see that God is keeping his promise, right? Um, it's getting challenging for them, but he continues his promise. Um, what I really want to get at and what the meat of today's word is about is the point in which they get to the Red Sea. Um, and that is here in Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, verse 15. So by this point, um, and I'm going to actually go back a little bit to verse 5, it says, when the word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all those Israelite slaves get away, they asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel, who had left with fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore of Israel near Pi-Harioth across Baal-Zaphon. As Pharaoh approached the people of Israel, the Pharaoh approached the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw 
the Egyptians overtaking them, they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Um, weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Amen. Amen. So you'll see if you continue reading in that passage, what ends up happening is um, they're, they're right at the face of the Red Sea. Moses takes his staff. He puts it down in the sea. The sea is parted. The Israelites walk through. And, you know, it's a really, really, um, it's a really, really beautiful story because it doesn't end there. Um, even as, you know, the, the water sort of eats up um, Pharaoh and all of the Egyptians, it's still a challenge for Moses and the Israelites as they continue to pursue the promised land. But I think the significance of what I've read today and what I really want to make sure you guys understand is that, you know, for the Israelites, they prayed a prayer to God based on the circumstances they were in. God heard their prayer and God made provision for them to get out of it. But at no point during this process did we ever see that this quote unquote way out was easy. And I think that's what I really want to make sure that we understand is that you know, God hears us. And it, just because we find ourselves in really troubling circumstances sometimes, be it our living situation, maybe friends or family, things going on in our lives, like they may be really troubling and they may be really, really difficult to get through. Number one, God doesn't necessarily cause those things, but God sees it, right? And I think to me, what was most fascinating about this scripture, and you see this everywhere in the Bible, even to you know, even to the narrative or the story of how Jesus came into the world, like at no point does God ever take the easy way out. Because we have to remember like who we're talking about. This is a God who is so capable of doing anything. I mean, with a snap of his fingers, like Thanos, literally the world could disappear or the world could appear. But like the, 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 the detail, right? and the process that God takes us through before we are able to get to where we want to be or where we no longer are crying or that we're no longer um, sort of in the circumstances that we were in is what really fascinates me about God. If you read on um, the, the passage, you'll continue to see some of those struggles that the Israelites went through. But ultimately, God took the Israelites through the Red Sea. And I want you guys to understand that like you may be faced with challenges as big and as complicated and as overwhelming and as impossible as the sea is in front of you. And because we're humans and we have our carnal flesh, 
our first resort is to try to figure out what's the easiest way to get out of this situation. And sometimes that means not even praying to God, right? I don't know if you guys have ever seen um, the map of the Red Sea, but it's kind of like it's kind of like a peace sign, right? And it kind of just like comes out like Egypt is right over here, and then the Red Sea kind of like comes out like this on a peace sign. So yeah, the Israelites were were faced with the Red Sea, but God could have done a number of different things for them to where like he could have led them around the Red Sea, right? He could have performed some miraculous thing where they like evaporated and ended up on the other side. Like, you know, we, we, we there's a million different things that God could have done, right? From the moment he realized or the moment he made the decision to begin the process for the Israelites to come out of suffering. That, that whole process could have been shortened with just one word from God. But he made sure that not only was he going to pull Moses into the scene so that he would be sort of the vessel to do it all, but that Moses wouldn't even have the easy way out. And that Moses would have to lead these people through a process that seemingly was difficult or seemingly challenging, right? And so my word to you guys today is that if, if God did that for the people of Israel, the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who he had made a promise to, like we can't expect that God is not going to do it to us too, right? Because number one, it's in his nature, right? It's just how God works, right? He literally could have created the world in two seconds, but the Bible says he took seven days and was so particular about every every little detail about this world, even from the way he created us, right? And so God has a way in which he do things. He has a reason behind the things that he does. And so when you guys find yourself faced with challenges or obstacles or setbacks or just situations that you, you, you kind of look up to God and you're like, God, why me? Like, why, why am I in this situation? Uh, like, put yourself, plant yourself in Egypt. Put yourself as an Israelite and remember the promise that God made to them. Remember that with that promise came a process that was really, really tumultuous, right? To the point where there are all these plagues that hit Egypt, right? Like, why, why do they even need to go through all of that, right? Why can't God just take them through? And I feel like sometimes we ask ourselves that question or we ask God that question, God, why am I going through this? God, why me? God, why this? God, why that? But the reality is there is a plan and there is a purpose in it. Oftentimes, like if you if God gives you something or he takes you through something and it's so easy, you don't even value or sort of appreciate what it is that you now have in the end, right? Sometimes God has to take you through those really difficult, painful experiences and processes because it does what? It builds your character. It refines you in ways that like the easy way just wouldn't be able to ever, right? And it's something that you have to understand about God's nature, right? Because when you understand that, then you see all of these issues in the world as part of this sort of grand scheme, this grand plan that God has eventually to save the world. And that plan has already started, right? This story isn't too different from what God did for us when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save us, right? We were the Israelites, right? Being enslaved and captive by sin, right? Because at the end of the day, that was a road that led straight to hell.
out. So he sent his son to come and die for us, okay? The sort of Moses in this theme here, to, to stand in our place, right? To take the death, to bear the death that we deserved so that we would have an opportunity to reach our promised land. And for us, our promised land is not the perfect job or the perfect house or the perfect family. We are looking way beyond that. The promised land is heaven. The promised land is eternity with God. The promised land is just, just serenity with our maker, right? And that's something that has been given to us as a gift because of the death and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But remember, that, that, that too was a process, right? That the only way that we could have been saved is, is for Jesus Christ to literally take on the sin of mankind and die the way that he did. So again, I pose the question to you, if, if Jesus Christ had to go through that, if, if, if we had to, like, well, we didn't visually watch him, but if, if over 2,000 years ago, Christ had to die the death that he did in order for us to live the lives that we have, like, why do we think that in the midst of our trouble or in the midst of our, our sorrow or, or, or the circumstances that we're in, that, that God won't also have a process for us to get out of it, right? Sometimes we get frustrated because just like what happened to the Israelites, right? Here Moses is saying, all right, you gotta let my people go. Like, this is what God is saying. And then in, instead of Pharaoh saying, all right, cool, like they're, they're free to go, he turns up the intensity in terms of their suffering. He makes it even harder for them. He says, nope, you guys think you're suffering? You guys think you have a bad? I'll show you what bad really looks like. And he puts out this order and this decree that now they have to fetch out their own materials and their own supplies to continue doing the work that they're enslaved to do, right? And sometimes that, that's what happens to us. We, we cry and we pray certain prayers and we feel like not only are things not getting better, but maybe things get worse, right? But you have to keep reminding yourself that it's part of the process, right? You may not understand why you're dealing with it now. It may not make sense to you now, but it is part of the process because there's nobody else who can take credit. There's nobody else who can take glory for everything that has happened but God. And that's ultimately why he does the things that he does. The Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, right? That doesn't mean that God intentionally took a very kind-hearted, sweet, loving man and said, boop, your heart is hardened, right? No, it's the same thing that God did with Judas, right? He knows the end from the beginning. So he knows certain players and characters in this world who are going to play a role in that process, right? Pharaoh, he knew very well, was not going to let the Israelites go one way or another. So all God did is that he, is he, the Bible says he hardened his heart. And all that means is he, he made sure that Pharaoh's position was going to be very firm and solid, right? Because he knew in that, right, that the Israelites and even Moses would have doubt. And where there is doubt, there is more of an opportunity for God to even show up. Because if you don't see it happening and God makes it happen, the only person who takes credit for it is God. Because remember, you originally doubted him, right? And so that's, that's the significance of the very different people maybe in your life who you think are contributing to you know, your suffering or con contributing to where you are in life or, or any of those things, right? Just know that it's all part of this plan, right? And it's not that God devised it this way, it's that he gave us free will, we messed it up and kind of wrecked our lives, and so now he has to be the master artist 
to try to piece this all together. And he's doing it in the best possible way so that in the end, he gets the glory, but also in the end, we come out more refined. We come out stronger. We come out more wise. We come out with like just an experience that really transforms our lives and it helps us and prepares us for the next destination, right? For everything that the Israelites went through here with Pharaoh and Moses, they needed that in order to continue to pursue the very tedious journey towards their promised land. And so that's what I wanna encourage you guys today. And I want to make sure that you guys keep that in your heart. Like as you go on in life, it's, it's not necessarily ever going to be easy. And even in your prayer and your fasting to God, that's not going to be made easier. Like I want you to almost embrace the struggle, embrace the hardship, embrace the trials, because that's what's gonna pull you closer to God. And that's also what's going to help you understand and remember that it's part of God's really intricate process that he always takes when he's trying to bring his people to a promised land, whatever that might look like for a particular person. So if you're struggling in school and the struggle keeps coming, keep praying, keep pressing, keep pushing. When you have your days where you fall and maybe you get an F, don't let that be the end of it, right? Keep pushing, keep striving. If you have issues with your parents and you're praying, oh God, please you know, help me with my parents and that seems to be getting worse, keep pushing, keep praying. Understand that all of this is part of the plan. All of this is part of the promise that God has to. And as we can see here through scripture and even through what God did for Moses and the Israelites, he will always keep his promise to you. And that's never been a promise to get you to that land in a super easy, you know, there's like, there's no work involved sort of way, right? That promise is to get you there. Now, how you get there and how much faith you keep in God and helping you to be able to continue that, that journey and to be consistent in it is, is really dependent on how much you lean on God, right? God gave Moses and the Israelites all the tools and the resources that they need. And even when they lacked faith, God still showed up. So I want you guys to remember that, that we all know like this life is not going to be easy. But I think today, I just wanna make sure that you guys are clear that in even crossing your Red Sea and even getting to wherever it is you need to be, right, in terms of your happiness or your joy or you know, getting your perfect grades or whatever, and even getting there, it's not going to be easy. Even after you pray, you cry and you say those prayers to God and God says, okay, I'm gonna get you through this. Don't expect it to start getting easier immediately. If anything, it may even start getting harder. But that's the time for you guys to keep the faith even more and to keep yourself resilient, right? Keep yourself resilient. Keep the faith, right? Know that God is with you and know that God is delighted when he sees you overcoming those challenges, right? He sees you doing these things that, you know, maybe you thought you wouldn't be able to do right but it's like you know I, I don't have kids you guys don't have kids but when we have kids we'll probably understand right watching your kid fall down and get back up and then fall down and get back up to the point where eventually they start walking right watching your kids learning how to read learning how to do things that you know on the onset seem like like how are they going to do this you know how do people get from the point where they they're babies and they speak gibberish to where they they start talking very articulately and can communicate their thoughts right like everything is a process for God, right? And that's gonna be the same for you in your life, through your trials, through your tribulations. So I hope you guys are encouraged and I hope you guys are blessed by that. 
I just hope that that's something that you guys remember and you keep in your heart. Because the number one thing that the devil wants to do is he tries to make everything like really black and white, right? You said a prayer to God, things are not getting better. In fact, things are getting worse, so God must hate you and you're pretty much gonna be stuck in this situation forever. But take yourself back to the book of Exodus. If, if God made the Israelites go through that particular process, we shouldn't think that we're gonna be exempt from it too, right? And there's beauty in that. There's beauty in that process. So again, I hope you guys are encouraged. And I hope you guys are blessed by that. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the word that came this afternoon. We thank you, God, that you are a God of promise. You're a God who listens to our prayers. You're a God who hears us. You're a God who takes action when we cry out to you. But we also thank you that you're a God of process, that you are a God who's very, are like very specific about how you do things and why you do it, Father God. Why we go through the things that we do even after we've cried out to you and asked for your help. We thank you, Father God, that you don't just give us the easy way out. You don't just take us to the other side or to our promised land without making us go through the process, O oh Lord, that prepares us for that promised land, that refines us and builds character, O oh God, in preparation for everything it is that you call for us. We pray, Father God, that this will be a constant reminder to us, O oh God, as some of us go back home, as some of us go to college, as we grow, Father God, and continue to experience setbacks and hurt and challenges in our lives, Father God, keep this, please, as a reminder, loud and clear in our hearts, Father God, that you are always with us. And just because we may not feel it, just because we may lose hope and lose faith at times, it doesn't mean that you are not going to keep your promises to us. We thank you in advance because we know that you are a good God and we know that you will do it. The work that you have started in us, God, we know that you will bring to completion. So we just pray and ask that you help us to just remember these things, keep it in our hearts, Father God, and help us to also encourage our brothers and our sisters and everybody else who may come to us with their problems and their challenges. Help us to point back to your word, point back to the Israelites, point back to Christ, Father God, because those are examples that you've given us to help take us through our own challenges. We thank you again for a time like this. We commit the rest of the service in your hands and ask that in all things, Father God, you will have your way. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.